0: Welcome to Genomics GupShop. Genomics GupShop is an initiative by MapMyGenome Genome to create a community around genomics and to simplify genomics for everyone. And we do this by bringing together experts from allied areas like medicine, genetic counseling, nutrition, fitness, and more. Please join us as we spread the word about this exciting science of genomics. Today, we are delighted that we will be discussing pediatrics, genomics, and also telesurgery with Dr. Abhirami who is a pediatric surgeon at Rainbow Hospital. Welcome to the show, Dr. Abhirami. We are so delighted to have you. Uh,
1: the same here, the pleasure is pleasure, mine.
0: Uh, so Dr. Abhirami, can we start off by first, you know, maybe discussing, you know, how did you become a doctor? What got you excited about uh, pediatrics and why did
1: you gravitate towards uh, surgery? Yeah, so uh, uh, during my uh, school days, my father is an orthopedic surgeon. So uh, my uh, mother used to take care of, like she's a full-time homekeeper, homemaker. So, but uh, still my father used to take me to his clinic and I uh, see him uh, seeing patients and uh, surgeries. I have also seen some surgeries before getting into medicine. So that's how I got uh, interested in medicine. And uh, during my second year of, uh, undergraduation, we had clinical postings, uh, so that just to get an idea about all the branches of medicine. So from that time I had my love towards surgery. So from my second year of MBBS, I had my love towards surgery and I still uh, cherish it and uh, I can't be anything else. Uh, and I decided that I, I am definitely going to take surgery. And I uh, did my general surgery in the year 2012, uh, and then I was working in adult surgery. But still, uh, I allowed this branch of pediatric surgery, which is a super specialization of the surgery. Um, It's about a completely different, uh, you know, panel of uh, spectrum of diseases. And the fine works, reconstruction, all wonderful, uh, you know, I, I say it's a lot of magical things happen in the uh, pediatric surgical uh, field. And uh, the art of uh, pediatric surgery is uh, uh, something amazing and phenomenal. And the recovery which we see in children is uh, something which we don't see in adults. Uh, and uh, so I love this branch. Absolutely. Like I- surgery
0: is in your DNA, I guess. Uh, <laughs> you know. Both, both genetically and, and also acquired I guess in, in, in many ways um, so so how does your uh, typical day look like I mean do you get up and how many do you do a lot of uh,
1: many different types of now, I'm a mother of a six-year-old daughter I have a six-year-old daughter so uh, uh, she grew up Uh, with me in the hospital like uh, when I was doing my post-graduation when I joined she was uh, uh, my super speciality she was one and a half years and then most of the time she'll finish her schools and she'll come and stay with me in the hospital and uh, she uh, sees what is going around and all those things Um, so I uh, it was difficult initially for me to balance the work and the family but still um, morning I wake up uh, like and uh, finish the works which we have to do for the child and uh, you know the homeworks and all and then uh, I start my day at around 8 30. Uh, I, I cover two branches in Chennai two one branches in Hindi and one is in Sholing Nalur which is uh, ECR uh, outer of Chennai so uh, I'll post some cases in the morning uh, in the Hindi branch and then uh, finish my uh, uh, rounds in the morning and then go to the other branch and then do my OPD and if I have posted some cases I'll finish that and then come back to give the branch and then finish my OP and then pick my daughter and then go home. that's how my routine goes yeah seems like a very busy busy kind of uh, busy
0: schedule that you have yeah yes so I'm sure there is no typical surgery that you do but are there some things that you sort of uh, look at in terms of just you know the kinds of surgeries that you one enjoy doing or or what you normally come across?
1: Yeah, so I enjoy doing a lot of urological. Uh, pediatric surgery is also pediatric urology. And uh, we see a lot of urological problems arising that too in recent times after, after the COVID and the lockdown and all that, a lot of uh, issues with the bladder and the bowel in children. So we see a lot of urological conditions and enjoy doing urological reconstruction procedures. And also, um, you know, some acquired reasons also. Uh, I, I, I really enjoy urological procedures. I think that's a, I think an important and
0: uh, a difficult thing as well, but I guess, you know, like you mentioned, I think, you know, when you are, when you do solve these uh, problems, I think the, the kind of, uh, you know, I guess enjoyment that you get in. Yeah, the job
1: satisfaction is really high in pediatric surgery because this is one field in which the patients which we treat are going to live more than us. They have a lifespan more than the treating doctor and uh, uh, they are going to live with what we have created, which is an amazing thing, which not other branch people get. Uh, so that is one amazing thing about the pediatric branches, all the pediatric branches, I, uh, I mean to tell in this. Uh,
0: so when you're doing like a, a, a regular, uh, like a, an adult surgery versus a pediatric, clearly, obviously, one is clearly that they are going to live longer. But are there other things that you have to be much more mindful? I mean, their
1: sizes are much smaller, right? So, it, you're yes. it's a, uh, so. Regular- the training itself was different uh, from adult surgery because uh, I had experience of four years after uh, finishing my master's in surgery. I was working with adults. And after that, I came into this field. Initially, uh, the sizes are very small. It was like a, more like a size of a palm. Um, premature babies, which you we used to operate for conditions. Some conditions have to be got. Uh, we have to operate that day, uh, 18 hours of life or uh, day one, day two and all. So I was little, uh, you know, handling the tissues were different and we need to use something called as a microscope uh, to operate uh, in children, that too, mainly newborns and the instruments were different, handling the instruments were different and um, uh, definitely handling the baby itself. uh, uh, Since I was a mother, I just had my baby that time. I was uh, used to uh, handle the newborn, otherwise it would have been very difficult, that too, uh, if... uh, um, who doesn't have an exposure to children like an adult surgeon who's going to handle a baby or handling the baby like lifting the baby itself is going to take a long time to learn so there are many things which we we need to handle and one more thing is handling the parents handling the parents anxiety that to young parents who uh, are like newly married couples and uh, with postpartum depression are rising more nowadays the mother will be uh, very timid and anxious about a uh, child going, undergoing a surgery because of her postpartum blues and the hormonal uh, plays in her mind. Uh, with that, if, uh, you know, when we go and tell that the child needs surgery or the child needs some intervention or procedure, uh, the amount of anxiety they get the mother and father, both of them, is uh, really bad. And uh, we do uh, empathize, but sometimes we can't handle it. And uh, you know, uh, counseling is a very important part in pediatric surgery than in adult surgery. Adult surgery is just the patient. The patient gives a consent and he understands and he goes. But in pediatric surgery, it's all about counseling and convincing. And they'll be asking about assurance. And we can't give them 100% assurance in any case. But still, we have to uh, keep their confidence. We should not lower them and all those things. It is a bit challenging. The counseling part is a bit challenging pediatric surgery
0: you mentioned about yeah. postpartum blues um, yes. is that real and what percentage of uh, women uh, or i mean i guess even maybe you know you know how what percentage of women normally go through that and maybe what are the signs of postpartum depression i think a lot of people don't even know such a thing exists
1: yeah uh, but nowadays with so much of awareness and counseling going on i think most of the th- most of the parents know at least the uh, young mothers nowadays uh, more than the older mothers who have a third the child or a child uh, they are aware of the postpartum blues. They are going for uh, counseling. They are going for, you uh, know, uh, uh, they are trying to do something which can keep them occupied other than keeping themselves clock- uh, locked in this postpartum. Uh, but the thing is, pediatric surgery is something who whoever, like even in a 10 year old child, if I'm going to tell that your child needs a surgery, the mother is like, uh, a 10 year old child is very big for us, but she'll be like, in a small kid, it's just 10 years. How can you operate him? And all those things. But in newborns, that too, in the first child, the postpartum blues are more. And uh, that too, if the ch- child is uh, in the NICU, uh, separated from the mother, the child is not able to feed uh, from the mother properly, the bonding is less, uh, I, I feel the postpartum blues are more with those mothers. and. Uh, uh, some mother I have seen, they are just blocked. Whatever we say, uh, we don't even know that they are listening. And uh, some keep crying uh, in spite of, uh, you know, see, we will tell that the child is fine, the child is okay to go home also, but still the mother will be a little, uh, can't bring her back from the shock to the normal days, normal uh, routine. Uh, it's very difficult for the mother as well, uh, rather than the a doctor, treating doctor, to handle that. And uh, they keep, uh, uh, you know, uh, taking gills And uh, it depends upon the support they have also, like uh, the in-laws and their parents. Uh, I've seen some... uh, parents and background, they are putting so much of pressure on the parents, telling that uh, uh, no, no, you should uh, consider uh, waiting and, uh, uh, you know, uh, they don't have an independence to take their own decision on uh, child's uh, treatment. So in that case, I think the pressure is more when, uh, I have seen a lot of uh, parents who come along with a lot of attenders, they are more pressured and they have a lot of depression more than them handling themselves. That's what I see. Yeah. So,
0: uh, I mean, you're doing robotic surgery compared to a regular surgery. Uh, is yeah. it very difficult for people to get used to robotic surgery, or was is it is it a uh, because it's a specialized area, right? I mean, I think yeah. maybe more doctors are doing it, but it's still yeah. less. So, what sort yeah. of doctors are more suited for? for robotics,
1: So uh, anybody who can do a laparoscopic surgery can do robotic surgery easily. Robotic surgery is such a boon to the surgeon. More than the patient, it is a boon to the surgeon because we'll be sitting and operating. It can be done from another room. Mm -hmm. So that's what I meant to tell about telesurgery. In the coming days, it can be done. The surgeon can be somewhere uh you know transatlantic somewhere and we can do surgery somewhere the robot can be manipulated from some other place but uh, it depends upon the wireless connection which we get the speed and all those things but right now it is being done in the same room uh and it's so comfortable uh the tiredness of the surgeon is more in laparoscopic surgery because we have to stand and do it for hours and in robotic surgery the time has the time can be uh, you know it can go very slow and precise and uh, uh, relaxed and it's safe for the surgeon and safe for the patient also Uh, and anybody who have learned laparoscopic surgery can do robotic surgery easily it's not at all uh, difficult except for some technical parts Uh, it's a very uh, narrow learning curve that's what I tell. If they have finished their laparoscopic training, they definitely can do a robotic surgery, which is an amazing thing. Only problem in India is uh, robots are very, very uh, little, uh, less number compared to the West because of the price, because of the cost. Um, and the, uh, it needs a lot of space. The robot needs a lot of space in the OT. So that's the only thing. But it has a lot of advantages except for the, uh, you know, the pricing. Uh, like the child can, if uh, in laparoscopic surgery, the child is go, going home in three or four days, the child can go home in one day, even for a major surgery. And I suggest robotic surgery only for major surgery, because if it is done simply by laparoscopic surgery, then we can uh, go ahead with laparoscopic surgery. But uh, Robo is for the major surgeries. Like uh, nowadays, cardio, cardiothoracic surgeons are using Robo for uh, bypasses, which is being very simply done uh, by the Robo. In Chennai, they have started uh, robotic uh, car- you know, bypass surgeries in Apollo and there's a hospital called Curie where they do urological procedures. And in oncological procedures, I see a lot of use in robots to, uh, you know, uh, the magnification view, which the robot gives. gives. That's not much in laparoscopy and the 3D view and the feel of doing the surgery. And it's really an amazing uh, invention the robot, but still i feel it takes a decade or at least half a decade for the robot to come uh, to into play just like laparoscopic surgery and i think that's a future for robotic surgery and it's a, it's an amazing field it's an amazing field which is going to uh, benefit both the uh, patient and the surgeon and
0: do you think at some point ai will uh, will be able to do i mean can we make robots that can Actually, figure out everything
1: or or do. <laughs> uh, actually, the robot which we use is not a proper robot. Robot is, uh, uh, you know, it should have an artificial intelligence. It should diagnose and do. That's not uh, happening now. It's just a master slave manipulator which we are using, because we are going to sit and do something which the robo is going to just reflect it on the patient. So what moment we do is the robo going to do on the patient. Uh, And if we remove a hand, the uh, robo is just going to uh, stun and stop doing. So it's it's more than a robo. It's just a master, slave, manipulator is the word which they give for the robo nowadays. And there are a lot of elimination of uh, uh, faults like uh, when a surgeon has tremors or uh, is that if there is some fast movement which should not have happened, the robo eliminates all those things. And uh, those are all a very uh, amazing uh, uh, quality and property of the robotic surgery. And it's a very uh, nice movement. It's like a dance when we uh, operate in the robot. It's like a fluidic movement. And the acti- activities which that arm, robotic arm gives when we uh, act, as, it's like a, a art and we can't stop doing it when we do it. When we start doing, we can't stop doing it. It's just an art and an amazing feel when we work in the robot.
0: I think you clearly love love doing your surgeries. You can see you can see that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So how do you use uh, genomics in your you know day to day life? Is there something that is used, or are you mostly
1: focused around you know that that? Yeah, get, so uh, genomics and pediatric surgery yeah, is there's a lot of. Uh, Uh, that is a lot of uh, you know we use genomics in oncology pediatric oncology and then we use in uh, genetic counseling and uh, even antenatally they do some genomic testing to rule out downs and all those things and for for parents for example I'm telling you a scenario about uh, there's something called as congenital hypoventilation syndrome where the child will be born with a diaphragmatic palsy so that is a a condition where the siblings can also get affected if the child uh, dies because of the Condition, then the parents are sent for uh, genetic counseling where they get tested for the genes and, uh, uh you know, the how, how much uh, of probability of getting the same condition in the next sibling. In that uh, counseling part, genes play a very important role, and in oncology, also the prognosis of that kind of uh, uh, example we have neuroblastomas in uh, children. So, depending upon one specific gene called N Mike gene, uh, it diff- diff- refers the prognosis of the child. If that gene is present and positive, the prognosis is going to be bad. The child is going to have a lot of spread, and we uh, expect a lot of, uh, uh, you know, we have to add some more uh, uh, types of treatment for the child. So genes definitely play a lot of role in uh, pediatric, and even surgical conditions, a lot of surgical conditions which uh, ch- which with which the children are born with, a lot of genes are associated. Even one gene can, uh, you know, we call it as a syndrome, like four, five conditions because of a gene which is present in the same child. Uh, some child will have some uh, deformity of the esophagus. They have the same uh, deformity in the anal region and uh, renal, re- renal uh, anomaly. All together, we call it as syndromes uh, or all the syndromes are associated with the genes. So if we can detect the gene, and there are something uh, called as imaging nowadays it's coming into play so if it is going to come it's going to make a, a very huge difference in pediatric surgery and it is very important genetic counseling is also important for the children, for the parents to plan for the next sibling and all those things yeah, things to- yeah.
0: absolutely i think you give some really amazing examples of where it has been used because a lot of times i think people think that you know why, why do i
1: need to do this test anyway they're going to be you yeah, know. even in adults, even in adults, BRCA is a very uh, famous gene uh, and if the uh, uh, parent or sibling is having a positive gene and I suggest they have, it's just the saliva sampling for the genetic testing, BRCA, and if they're going to give, uh, and if they know that they are negative for the gene, they can be a little safe, but still they have to undergo the annual checkups and all those things, but still uh, it does give a lot of, uh, you know, uh, Uh, prevention and education about the same condition to avoid or restrict themselves from taking uh, all those things or undergoing all those things except for you know some people will sit and keep uh, being anxious whether I'll get the same condition what my mother had and all those things so uh, genetic mapping and genomics are uh, going to help them a lot about it. A lot of times I think people are
0: worried that if you are diagnosed, then you will get it. And I, I keep telling them that when
1: you yeah. do know, I think information... Yeah, is- education uh, helps in prevention. That's what I uh, I feel. If you want to prevent a disease, like how with COVID, we uh, got a lot of education, which is helping now also because of the swine flu breakout and a lot of uh, you know infection going on, that in children, if they follow the same protocols, what they have done for the COVID, it's not going to spread so much. So I think education is very important in prevention.
0: Yeah, I think most people don't think don't think so much and they think yeah. they're only looking at one part of you know what is there. And I think if we can create awareness, especially among the, you know, people who are planning to have babies or have young babies, I think yeah. that is so important to understand because it yeah. can actually change the course of your entire life, not just yes. not just something that you do at the end of life, but I think you are pretty much their whole life depends on on, on those interventions that you make at this early age, right? Um, so, uh, you know, I also noticed that you're very active on Instagram and, and create a lot of uh, great content over there for kids and newborns. So yeah. you uh, how did you start, uh, you know, creating this? I mean, we talked about education. Is that... Yes, is that what drive, drove you to creating this content, or yeah,
1: because I see a lot of uh, you know people doesn't know about this branch. Pediatric surgery has been a hidden branch which only very few pediatricians know. And I frankly tell that in my undergraduation when I was doing MBBS, I was not at all aware of this branch. I could have pursued it as a six-year course also if I have known it. Uh because of the ignorance, I didn't. Uh, I don't know about this branch. And when it came came into this branch, I was like so much of. That things are there in pediatric surgery, so it's a, a whole a new world or a different spectrum of disease which uh, no adult surgeons will know. I've seen people taking their newborns to a surgical gastroenterologist uh, and handling the child is very different from handling an adult and for them also they would have seen a lot of uh, different spectrum of disease which they see in adults and not in children and I, uh, I thought that people should know about pediatric surgery and what we do and what they can do. We uh, deal with traumas, accidents, burns, and uh, you know, a lot of kitchen accidents happen nowadays. All those things uh, people has to know. And it uh, depends upon... The, the treatment goes to the future of the child, which they have to be aware of. So everybody know about pediatrician. Of course, everybody knows about vaccination, pediatrician, but that much of awareness is not in this field. That's why I created the uh, page. I hope it's helping. I keep getting questions from a lot of uh, patients, even if uh, I'm doing it in Tamil because I'm doing it in Tamil Nadu, I'm practicing Tamil Nadu, but still, uh, last week I got a query from a German, uh, She uh, sent me a picture of her child having some tumor in her uh, in the child's um, arm, seven-week-old child. So I thought, okay, this social media is playing a really, uh, you know, a really good health good uh, role in uh, taking health in distance. And uh, I was very happy to see uh, questions coming from uh, you know like away from India also. So I thought I'm doing some good to the uh, society by creating some contents in Instagram. So That's what i I can't really speak in Tamil,
0: but uh, I mean, <laughs> how would you what would you tell people uh, in Tamil that why 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 genetic testing is necessary? I won't understand what you a little bit oh, you sense. want me to tell in Tamil <laughs> yeah. that would be nice, I think it would be nice to get some uh, you know local language this thing I, although I might not be the best person to uh
1: to ask <laughs> you the next question after that, but <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you want me to tell in Tamil, yeah? Like, a, uh, safe, like, plan, uh, question like, urinary uh, infection there, reflex they gene testing, they will be definitely, uh, uh, benefited with that, uh, if they go and get a genetic testing, the anxiety can be ca- come down and uh, counseling helps. Genet- genetic counseling, gene testing helps a lot in relieving the anxiety of the parents. They can enjoy their motherhood. That's what I feel that in the pregnancy, if they detect some anomalies also, uh, the whole happiness is gone just because they saw something which is nothing, which can go away just like that but which can be a big thing also, but they need an appropriate counseling. I agree. I think
0: um, we can't, I guess, emphasize more on genetic counseling and also other, I mean, any form of counseling. I think uh, I, I also still remember I've had two babies, so it is uh, it is not an easy uh, task. And I think especially the first child, the 2nd were we're a little bit more relaxed, I think, by the time. Uh, <laughs> But are you seeing any trends lately, uh, you know, around certain kinds of cases? Is there something that you feel that has changed over the last, uh, since you started practicing or?
1: or it is pretty much uh, has been yes, it, it, it is changing it is changing because uh, uh, some conditions like Hirschsprung's disease and all those things the parents themselves will tell that I also had this condition in my uh, uh, childhood I got operated uh, so I think I have to go for the counseling or testing for my next when I plan for the next sibling so I see parents like that that too when I was in uh, training in Hyderabad I see a lot of intelligent parents they come themselves and they ask should we go for counseling should we get this tested and all those things, uh, it has its pros and cons. But still, I think genetic counseling and genetic uh, genomic testing has to go off, uh, far more uh, than now. But it is better; it is always better than uh, what we saw in uh, like before five years. It is better now. Uh, people are getting aware of it. I hope in a decade or a, a five years, uh, people will know more about genes and its importance so it is- and get benefited. <laughs> recently met someone who
0: uh, at a conference and he said uh, you know I and I just said I'm from map, you know from map my genome and then he said oh that's so interesting because my daughter just came to me and said for my 17th birthday I know what I want to do and, and I want to map my genome and, and uh, so he said that it's uh, he, he said he was not as aware as the children were you know so I think one one is that I think by the time I think, uh, you know, we started a long time back and today I think awareness is definitely much, much more than we saw uh, then. But I think, you know, maybe in the next five, 10 years, I think a lot of the younger children will grow up into, uh, you know, and then they're much more open about uh, information and data and and what to do about it because I think they've grown up in that environment compared to let's say somebody who's currently 60, 70 years of age. I think it's harder for them to uh, maybe not that's not the norm it's, it's more like you've learned because you you wanted to learn right. yes so um i just you know maybe wanted to ask you something you know in 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 uh, in your own words how would you define prevention you know is there you know is there some specific way that you look at prevention
1: prevention is always with education and prevention is better uh, than cure that's as always said but education is very important in prevention Uh, people need to know how to prevent so that is very important i think that is happening a lot more in social media and uh, also in uh, internet and uh, in the papers and people are getting aware about it so i think i defend uh, prevention is uh, with education absolutely i think
0: you're absolutely correct so i know you're dealing with 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 children and and uh, very young and newborn uh, uh, children uh, uh, what is the secret
1: of healthy aging according to you? Uh, I define healthy aging more than the physical health. Physical health is important, of course, but it comes from mental health, which is very important. So in a day, if you have your own time, like, you should always, and especially for mothers, where, when they're going to be with the child 24 into 7, young mothers, new mothers, they have to have their own time, at least an hour of happy time. It's all about happiness. It's about happy uh, living. If you're going to live for 100 years with no happiness, I don't, I see any uh, uh, purpose of life. The quality of life depends upon your mental health. And, you know, happiness is all uh, what you need. Have fun and uh, have your own time, family time. Don't keep uh, stressing yourself over something which is not going to help you. So that's how I, uh, um, happy aging is definitely uh, healthy aging.
0: Absolutely. No, you are, you're, you're absolutely right. I think if you are, if you are um, mentally happy, I think,
1: you know, lots of other things also fall into, uh, into being. A, and uh, When happy you're be... happy mentally, I think your physical health will automatically automatically come under your control.
0: Absolutely.
1: So if you are depressed or stressed, and if you don't like your environment, you're going to stress yourself staying in that environment, then your physical health is definitely going to go for a toss. So that's what I believe. Great.
0: and and how do you define digital health i think now there's a lot of different definitions but
1: like understand yeah. from you what so from covid time i think digital health played a main role we started doing online consultations and then, uh, you know, uh, we do consult patients from uh, Oman and uh, Gulf and, uh, you know, Germany and all those things. So it's an amazing uh, tool, but it has its own uh, disadvantages. Like we can't see, touch the child, examine the child. So uh, we have to, that. in surgical field, we have to examine the child. Touch the child and see what is happening. So we ultimately end up in calling a lot of patients. But there are some con- conditions which can be treated by uh, you know telemedicine also. Uh, and uh, digital health, that telemedicine is going to help a lot in teaching. We uh, we had a lot of uh, virtual conferences teaching, which uh, if it has not happened in virtually, we would not be able to uh, attend it. Physically, like if it is happening in some some somewhere in England or somewhere around uh, in Switzerland or somewhere, we we uh can't expect us to ourselves to take so much of break and go there and come. But when it started happening in Zoom and all those things, a lot of conference I was able to attend, update, and uh, even now in surgery if I have some doubts I'll call my boss who's in Hyderabad, and uh, he'll be happy to help me. And all those things are, mm-hmm. um. Uh, advantages of g health and even in robotic surgery uh, when i went for the fellowship they said uh, teachers will be able to teach you and uh, watch you from some from their hometown even if they're old or retired they can watch it from their house so what we are doing and they can correct us which is a very great uh, you know uh, insight if it comes in the future it's going to be very helpful for the uh, for the uh, patients and the surgeons insurgents also uh, it's a it's an amazing thing but it still has disadvantages
0: i I think a lot of people who are watching this will all want to
1: become pediatric uh, surgeons <laughs> <laughs> That's my pleasure. Still, uh, people, when in Instagram, uh, I do get messages like, Eng, uh, you know, plus two people, plus uh, two students will be asking that I need to take uh, medicine and some medic- medical after uh, writing the need, they'll be asking, can I take surgery? I'm a girl. Uh, there are so much of... Uh, uh, myths about a girl taking a taking a, su- a surgery field uh, uh sit happy to take and all those things They'll be asking. i'll be like please uh, go ahead if you want to take surgery just take it don't change your decision depending upon others um you know inputs so i i i think insta page is doing a lot of uh, uh, help to the community absolutely
0: i think, I yeah. think a lot of times people need to see uh, one I think they also feel good when they see a role model like you who's doing many surgeries I think it gives them, it inspires that's them. So, kind. <laughs> it. so I think that's that's where I feel that you know social media helps in building those um, you know, use cases for even younger students who are maybe today in their 15-16 and, and then they, they are
1: you know that's the medium they are using and i think yeah. they are also inspired by and i see a lot of uh, girls and lady uh, doctors they tell me i love surgery but it's a male dominant field so i didn't take i why, why should why should you uh, just stick some yeah. yeah it's an amazing field and it's an amazing field for pediatric surgery it's an amazing field for uh, uh, surgeons like lady surgeons i have lo- my bosses we have i have five bosses and three are uh, girls ladies And uh, they they do amazing, amazing, uh, you know, they're very good with handling the patients, parents and uh, the surgeries, definitely. I'm so happy that I had such a team because I'm a single student and I had so many like five, six bosses and I have been pampered and uh, they taught me so well. And I still have my gratitude. I I keep telling like I'm so grateful to have uh, those people as my bosses.
0: So more than 60% of your uh, surgeons who taught you were also women. So I yeah, it's a good number to for uh, people to yes. know. Yeah. <laughs> so um, is there anything else you'd like to say? Otherwise, I'll move on to the rapid fire round after that.
1: Yeah, we can. <laughs> we we can move
0: to the rapid fire Yeah. Round. Yeah. Uh, so are you a morning person or a night person?
1: I'm a night person.
0: Okay, great. I'm also a night person. So. <laughs> Most people are morning people. Uh, What is the most common complaint about you by your friends? Unavailability. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And if you did not become a pediatric surgeon, which I don't think you would have
1: become because you seem so passionate about it, what would you have chosen? I don't know. Surgery is the only thing which I had. I was like a horse going towards a surgery. I don't have any other option. (laughs) Okay. Uh, what are your, uh, do you have any other hobbies
0: that? Yeah,
1: or, no. Okay.
0: So you're fully, completely, and uh, 100% devoted to your uh, surgeries and your child, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: yes, she complains, but uh, she's also interested in uh, traveling along with me. She used to travel uh, for both the branches and uh, she'd also enjoy. She used to sit away. Only thing is she can't enter the OT, but she has been till the entrance of the OT, waiting there and all. That's great. So we have another, yeah.
0: another, another surgeon in the making, I guess. I, uh, that's
1: up to her. Yeah. She's really uh, interested. I'll be happy to, uh, you know.
0: <laughs> so is there something you would
1: like to do less of and something that you would like to do more of? Um... Yeah, more often is, of course, surgery. I love doing surgery. The high which I get after doing a proper surgery and talking to the parent is like coming out and telling the parent everything went fine. That's the best high which I can get. Uh, that's with every surgeon. And uh, less often, uh, I'm a little introvert person, but still uh, after my Insta page, I started loving to talk. I don't like talking much. Uh, I'm not a, I don't talk over phones for a long time and all. So that's one thing, but still... I started loving to do that also.
0: You just talked for 40 minutes just now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I love uh, I love this conversation. This is my first interview and I just love. And I, I'm so thankful that you invited me to this platform. Uh, I was able to talk more about pediatric surgery. And even if some 20 people know about this branch, I'll be very grateful to you through this. Uh, I think people need to know about this branch. It's a wonderful branch, amazing branch, and it's uh, going to do so much help to the children.
0: Absolutely. I I fully agree. And uh, it is it is so nice to see that you're using a lot of the genetics in 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 your actual practice as well. Yes. I think that's another area, you know, like pediatric surgery, I think we still need to create a lot more awareness about genetics. Yes. And yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think we've seen, well, probably the most acceptance among the OBGYNs, uh, pediatrics uh, community, as well as, you know, oncologists. And, and now I think we are starting to see that happening in many yeah. other fields as well. But yeah. if you had to change something in the medical syllabus, um, you know, would you be, do you think that it would make sense to actually add some genetics courses within those, within the syllabus? Yeah. I think one big challenge is, um, you know, for a lot of them, they never were taught this in in their education.
1: So I have a friend uh, who he is uh, doing his uh, genetic imaging PhD in Cambridge. He uh, did MBBS with me. And when he talks about genes, I think I was thinking, okay, genetics has so much role to play in pediatrics, but he talks about, uh, you know, um, uh, cardiological problem in older age and he says so much of things about genetics in that age and uh, i thought okay why should have we should have a syllabus we should have a separate branch or uh, uh, subject from the undergraduate so that uh, everybody will know about the importance of genes and if we know something about the genes and lot of things are preventable Uh, When we educate ourselves about the genes, uh, which is connected to this disease, a lot of things are uh, preventable. We can counsel the patient or parent. And uh, I think uh, the regular checkups should add gene uh, imaging and uh, gene testing uh, to their uh, regular checkups. Like women, uh, malignancy checkups should also uh, uh, add BRCA1 and 2 to their uh, uh, panel. So that's what one thing which I like to change uh, in the syllabus.
0: Absolutely. I think that's a much needed thing. And I, I'm hoping that, you know, with more education, I think uh, with better this thing, I think because a lot of the younger doctors are sort of familiar with a lot of these concepts. But right? it'd be nice yeah. to sort of get them as part of a curriculum because it becomes so yes. ingrained over there. So yeah. I think we are trying to do our best to simplify as much as we can um you know one of the other things that we found was that uh, when we did the medica map which is more a, a report on about 165 drugs um, we mm-hmm. said let's make it such that you know it's just green orange and, and red uh, so at least it's clear that you know standard dosage will work not work whether you have a you know if it's a red light if there's some alternate treatment for that person uh, at yes. least you know we give the right guidelines. But I think there is nothing better than, you know, like you mentioned, when you have your teacher tell, telling you that something is wrong, for instance. Yes. I think those are things that we all still still remember. So yes. I think it will be great
1: to add that in,
0: in uh, some part. Yes. And
1: ideas. I forgot to tell you about this. There are so many medicines which depend upon the gene. If the patient is uh, positive for that gene, those medicines can be of so much of help to that keen positive patient, um, which are coming into play nowadays. And even in malignancy, I think uh, for BRCA1 and 2 positive, there are so many uh, monoclonal antibodies, which they are giving. uh, And that is uh, sadly not available in India. They have to uh, import from West. So if all those things are available, I think uh, health, uh, uh, health system in India will go to the next level. There, there, There's no necessary for uh, people to from here to go to uh, other countries for uh, uh, treatment.
0: I, I agree. I think there is uh, also we we are seeing that now if you mentioned imaging as well, I think yeah. one of the things that is happening now is that using AI, we are being able to connect some of these dots, right? Yes. Uh, so that's one of the things we are also doing in magnet genome where we said, you know, we'll take blood, de- blood data, we'll take data that's coming from your genomics, you're taking data that's from your family history and others and also imaging and then see if you can, you know, put these pieces together because ultimately I think, especially, and I think, and I don't know if I'm correct or wrong, but I think when you look at pediatric uh, cases, I think they can't even say what they are feeling inside, right? So I think if you're able to uh, find uh, the root cause of the problem using genetics as well as, you know, imaging and putting those two pieces together, I think, will give us much more insight because you can't really ask yeah. the one one day old child you know yes, what definitely. we are feeling right I think. yeah so hmm. so i think there are lots of possibilities and i think you
1: know it feels great to have uh to speak to people like you who are you know bright uh, pleasure and i should thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for giving me this platform and space for me to talk so much and i like to ask you something like uh can you suggest some test which is going to be helpful uh for the parents I uh, so I saw your uh, thing is from Hyderabad so a lot of my patients from Hyderabad I can suggest them that uh, they can uh, get it tested from you before planning for something do you have something for the Down syndrome or something like that
0: we do so we are doing like a whole range of tests uh, there are some that we do for instance we are also doing car- uh, carrier screening we do we do karyotyping we are doing yeah. and all of that but I yeah. think for parents uh, that are planning a baby I think doing a carrier screening would be a great thing to do right? great, yeah. we have something called match my genome where we're yeah. looking at pretty much most of the conditions you know recessive conditions or otherwise to be able to see if they are carrier of a particular condition or not yeah the other thing of course you know for 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 parents uh, or like uh, there is the medica map which I was talking about since you mentioned the medicines and whether they work for them or not. I think for anybody who is now doing two or three, uh, who's having let's say a a cardiovascular problem or any other problem, they're taking some medicines. We have Mm -hmm. a full range of about 165 um, drugs that we we will tell whether they are you know whether that works for them or not. Yes, and and then we have uh, genome patry, which is more about helping them understand you know polygenic risk scores and understanding if they have a risk for. Cardiac conditions or something else, and and nutrition. So to help understand what kind of food will work well for them. Actually, it yeah. can be done for a child as well. But I think we we are we are starting to see more and more younger children do it. And I as I mentioned, I think a lot of our um, children who first started when we were you know ten years ago, I think they have okay. now grown up to be young adults. So we are starting <laughs> to see a lot of those, uh, a lot of them actually looking at genetics as a guide for mm-hmm. mental health, right? So there's obviously the diagnostic reason, there is a preventive reason, and then there's the treatment options that that are there as mm-hmm. well. So those would be some of the kind of things that, that are...
1: Yes, and even in, uh, I think, disorders of sexual development, that yes. is also a... Uh, you know very important uh, genetics play are very important in your life also because they look like uh, uh, maybe xy but or they look like xx but they have the genes of the, like karyotyping shows xy and all those things uh, so it's a very complicated uh, spectrum of disease I think your uh, role is also very important in them
0: and I think and counseling. I think right now especially I think with all the uh, there is a little bit more awareness that has been built i think around yes. um, around that and i think even you know younger children are are much more used to understanding some of it but i think yes. there is still a lot of mystery around that whole area and i think people would yeah. like to go and see a specialist to understand what yes. we've done and what what are the possibilities um, yes since you brought me to that subject i think just wanted to understand have there been increased number of
1: such cases or are there more is it more an awareness of uh where that i feel it's more of an awareness people are okay to accept the child and get the child for a counseling and they are talking about the betterment like uh what's the best we can do for the child and all those things and even uh, there are uh, uh groups and committees uh, who wants to help those children and the counsel counseling is the major part in those children, and uh, there are uh, many surgeons who are go, uh, like who are completely into it and they do reconstructions to make them feel the. Uh, better they can and all those things and uh, i think parental counseling is also very important because they will not be ready for it it will be a sudden shock for them uh, for example in a child uh, we were operating for some other uh, major issue we came to know that child is uh, in the spectrum and when we went and uh, told the parent that surgery went well but we found out this happened in a child it was a major shock for the mother we couldn't handle the mother so, in those cases, um, also, I think, uh, stereotyping and uh, awareness about it is very helpful. Yeah. Yeah, I think
0: it's important to normalize this uh, this yes. conversation because yes. otherwise, I think, you know, you don't want to be living as somebody you are not. And yeah. I think that's something that uh, is hard because I think a lot of times people who are uh, a little bit older right now are we're not exposed to that. And I think today suddenly we are starting to see that and it's yes. harder for people to accept. But I think the more we talk about it, it will normalize that that conversation as well. That it is a real, it's not just a feeling, which is what a lot of people often say. I think sometimes it's it's a real uh, biological need or, or a change that that might be needed. So I think yes. so those are things that uh, maybe we we all need to Make it more
1: uh, a a standard conversation. Likes, yes, more talkable and uh, rather than uh, you know hiding it, I think uh, people should come out and talk about it. And I think now we are starting to see that happen for for a lot yes. of people. A yeah. lot more better than uh a ticket back. It's a lot more better now.
0: Great! I think it has been such a pleasure having you on yeah. this uh, on the genomics workshop, and uh, you know, thank you for for being here. And uh, with that, we'll close today's workshop. But we hope we'll get an opportunity to meet you in person, and and. Sure. Have-